0: This podcast is brought to you by org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I just want to discuss some halachas pertaining to Erev Shabbos Cholomoyed. One of the common trials that are often asked is regarding cutting one's nails on Shabbos Cholomoyed. So it's actually a, in Shulchan Arach, there's a machlok between the Mahab and the ramah. The mechavra hold is 100% permissible to cut one's fingers or one's toes, even with an instrument on chalamoid. However, the ramah is strict, and the ramah says, no, we're machme, and we hold that one is not permitted to cut one's toes or nails on chalamoid with a utensil. Mr. points out, but with one's fingers or with one's teeth, that is permissible. And we actually discussed this in the shul, about uh, biting one's teeth, how it's different than versus cutting one's nails. So that would be 100% permissible even for the Ramah. It would be permissible for someone to bite his nails or to cut his fingers. But if he wants to use an instrument, that would be a problem for Ashkenazim while it would be 100% mutter for Sfaydah. Why is it a problem for Ashkenazim? So Mr. Brew explains, this is already found in Rishonim. The reason is because the same reason why we're not allowed to take a uh, shave for uh, Shabbos or for the second days because the Gemara explains we're afraid that if we allow a person to shave on Chalamayit, he won't take a shave before Yamtav will come into Yamtiv Kishahim and Novel. And therefore, the Rabbanon had to prohibit shaving on Chalamayit to ensure a person will come in to Yamtiv looking his fine. So they say the same thing here also with fingernails. We're afraid if we would allow someone to cut his fingernails on Tov, perhaps he would not cut them before Yomtev and come into Tov looking unkept. Now, there is a sheet of Rabbein Utam. We've spoken about this in other venues. Rabbein Utam is of the opinion that if a person does shave before Yamtif, he is allowed to shave on Yamtif itself. Uh, he, if one did shave before Yomtif, then he would be allowed to shave on Cholomite, because the whole reason why you're not allowed to shave on Cholomite is because we're afraid you won't shave before. But this fellow did shave before. So if he shaved before, he should be allowed to shave. So that's the opinion of Rabbein Utam. Rabbein Utam was of the opinion that if a person does shave before Yamtif, he is permitted to shave on Cholomite. But again, as we mentioned, Rabbein Utam's opinion is why hardly not accepted. Rav Feinstein has a tshuva where he's somewhat more willing to accept the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam. He tries to answer the kashas that the Torah has on Rabbeinu Tam. With another other Rav Moshe is a little bit more lenient, but nonetheless, the more over accepted approach is that most people do not shave on let's say, even if they shaved before. However, Mr. Brewer says, but when it comes to nails, then we could be more lenient. So if a person cut his nails before Yom Tziv, he definitely can cut his nails on Yom Diff. So again, so according to the Ramah, for us Ashkenazim, we already have two times that you'd be allowed to deal with your nails. A would be if you want to bite them with your finger or with your mouth. And again, Gemara told us it might cut and that's not considered disgusting. You might want to be careful if you have any pregnant women in your home, not to do it near them. But nonetheless, it's not considered gross to bite your nails. Secondly. According to the Mishtabruh, if one cut their nails on Erev Yamtif, they would definitely be allowed to cut them on Friday. They'd be allowed to cut them on Chalma. There's a third hector, which is brought down from the Arach HaShulchan. The Ar-Hasholchan says, let's say a person didn't cut his nails because they didn't grow yet. There was no need. The reason the guy didn't cut his nails on Erev Yomtif was because they just didn't grow yet. They didn't uh, need to be cut. And therefore, normally he does cut them. So then in that case, the Mishtabruh, the Arach I'm sorry, also permits one to cut their nails. So there are different, different cases where a person would be permitted to cut his nails, the with is tomorrow and on Cholomite. The one exception where, and this was a shayla I received uh, this week, uh, today, is a woman. A woman is m- permitted 100% to get a manicure to cut her nails and to, to, and to fix her nails. That's considered part of uh, part of her getting ready for Yom and part of her beautification for Yom tif, and that is 100% mutter. Without a doubt, a woman may get a manicure on Yom tif, but for on Cholomite, but however, for a man, it's a little bit more complicated and to navigate exactly when and how they are allowed to cut their nails in uh, getting ready for uh, Yom Tif. Just as the weather around us is starting to get a little more uh, rainy, Baruch Hashem, we haven't had too much rain now, so let's just discuss very quickly some of the rules of a mitzta'er. The mitzvah of sukkah is a very unique mitzvah. It's the only mitzvah we have a Torah called mitztaire. Every other mitzvah, you have to do the mitzvah, even if it's uncomfortable. If a person doesn't want, he has a headache, he doesn't want to put on tefillin, he still has to put on an tefillin. Any other mitzvah that we have, there's no such exception called mitzvah. The only mitzvah we have an exception called mitztaire, which means you're uncomfortable by doing the mitzvah, and therefore you're exempt from the mitzvah. And that's by the mitzvah of sukkah. And the reason for that is, is based on the Gemara. The Gemara says on the Pasuk, uh, Basukah's tesh in the sukkah you should dwell. So we learn from the word teshu, the Gemara makes ke'en tadiru. You're supposed to live in the sukkah the way you live in your house. And again, if you're living in your house, in one of the parts of your house, and you're experiencing pain, uh, you would leave. You wouldn't sit there. So too in the sukkah. So just like if I'm sitting in my kitchen, and there's a terrible leak in the kitchen, I would leave the kitchen to go to another room. So too with my sukkah. If I'm sitting in my sukkah, and it's raining in the water, I would leave the sukkah as well. The Gemara even has such an interesting meaning. the Gemara even discusses a possibility that women should be chayiv in sukkah The Gemara thinks that a lady should be chayv in Tzuka based on the premise of Teh Shevekein Why? Since husbands and wives eat together? So therefore, her husband's wife eat together and they sleep in the same room. So maybe a wife should be chayv in sukkah so I can have to do. Since I have a mitzvah to sit in the sukkah the way I live in my house, and the only way I can live in my house is with my wife by my side. So maybe my wife has to come with me in the sukkah. The Gemara even thinks that she should now be obligated in the mitzvah of sukkah. The Gemara rejects it, but just to show you how strongly the Gemara uses this idea of to taduru that your house is like your sukkah. There is an opinion of the Radvaz, a very, very controversial Radvaz. The Radvaz writes, no, that mitzvah is not the only, uh, Sukkah is not the only mitzvah where we say mitzvah or part that we actually say it by all mitzvahs. And this radvaz is, is very, very controversial. and... To the best of my knowledge, it is not accepted in halacha, and definitely not accepted in later literature, that we assume that any other mitzvah has a torment star, It's not so. The only mitzvah that we have a torment star is by the mitzvah of Sukkah. That's because we have the idea of ke'in to do. So one of the classic examples of mitzvah, obviously, is if it's raining. If it's raining in your Sukkah, that's considered a mitzvah. You consider it uncomfortable. If you consider uncomfortable, you're not mechoyev to sit in the Sukkah in the uncomfortability of the rain falling on your head. So the Mishnah already talks about how much rain you have to go in. So in Shochan says how much rain does it, does, it, does it that you need to go in. So I always point out to people, first of all, the mere fact that it's raining outside does not mean you're exempt from the sukkah. In order to be exempt from the sukkah, you need to go into the sukkah and look in the sukkah and to see how much rain is actually coming in because believe it or not, the role of the schach is partially to protect the rain. We know, we talked about this on Yom if there is a sheet of Rabbeinu Tam, Tam, is quoted by Teis and Sukkah, not Utam says, if you build the schach so thick that no rain can come through the sukkah as possible. That's the opinion of Rabbeinu Utam. That opinion is not quoted in Shulchan Aruch, but it is quoted by later Ahreinu. But nonetheless, the schach can be a lot less than that and still do a pretty good job of keeping out the light rain or perhaps limiting light rain. So just because it's raining outside does not necessarily make your sukkah exempt. On the flip side, it could be that it's actually not raining outside and you still might not have to eat in the sukkah and that's because you don't have a shlach, or your uh, your shlach is not working, or you didn't put it up, or you don't have one like myself, and your shlach is dripping, dripping, dripping. So if your shlach is dripping, dripping rain, that also would exempt you on the mitzvah, even though it's not actively raining, but the rain is causing you a disturbance. So that's the first thing you want to know. What is considered a disturbance? So if you look in Shulchan Aruch, based in the Mishnah Sukkah, it means that there's enough rain dripping into your cup, into your soup that's ruining your soup, it's ruining your, your, your dish. Sometimes it's hard to know that, so the Ramah gives us a very great way of looking at it. He says, if this would be in your living room, would you go to another room. So if you're sitting in your sukkah and it's a little driplets, you know what? doesn't bother me so much. I'm not so stressed. I'm not so bothered. Then you should stay in the sukkah. But if it's such an annoying type of weather that if this would be in the living room, you switch to the dining room, the dining room to the living room, then you are considered a mitzvah and then you should leave the sukkah. There are some Hasidic communities where they sit in the sukkah in the rain. Okay, that's their opinions. But again, you're not to sit in the rain And you are allowed to go inside your house. Here's the interesting halacha. It says that once you go into your house because of the rain, we don't make you come out again. Why don't we make you come out again? So if you look at the Lashon and the Gemara, because we don't want to be matriach. It's, it's, it's a schlep in and out, in and out, and people go crazy. And therefore, once a person goes into his house, he no longer has to go back and he finishes the meal in the house. However, as the place can point out, this doesn't mean he just switches into the house and, you know, uh, you know, carries everything into the house. And then by the time he sets the table and he's ready to start the meal, all of a sudden it stops raining. In that case, he would have to go back. It only means he actually started the meal. Whatever starting the meal means, he sat down, and started eating, that's why I always tell people, when it starts to rain and you go into the house, eat right away, start the meal. Because if you don't start the meal right away, then you might have to go back to the sukkah. Once you start the meal, then we do not obligate you to go back into the sukkah until the meal is over. But again, there is an amazing sheet of the Ridva, the Dastoy, the, 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 the Marsham, and many others quote a Ridva where the Ridva says, what happens if a day like today where they were calling for an anticipating rain, and the clouds were heavy and thick, but it has not dropped one uh, there has not fallen one drop of rain. So all of us would have assumed that you still have to sit in the sukkah. The ritva said no. The ritva said if it's anticipating rain, you don't have to sit in the sukkah. This opinion of the ritva is also widely not accepted. We assume that you sit in the sukkah until it actually starts to become difficult. This has to, it starts to present some form of a mitzta'er. So again, so like a night like today, you go into the sukkah and you see it's raining, you go home and you finish the meal at home, and then if you want to eat again, you check again on the weather conditions. But it's worth noting that mitzvah is not only with rain, mitzvah can be with extreme cold and extreme heat. If you really look in the, and for that matters, it can even be with bugs and it can even be true with winds. For example, if you look in Shulchanach, the Shulchanuch is talking about with regard to sleeping in the sukkah, he talks about wind and bugs. So uh, every, every, you know, every year there's always bees that are flying around. So I always tell people, if the bees are really bothering you in a very significant way that you cannot eat, and uh, if this was in the kitchen, you'd switch rooms, then you should go eat in the sukkah. You should leave the sukkah. I saw they asked this child to Abraham Kenevsky, and Abraham Kenevsky was asked, if there are bees buzzing around in the sukkah and they're really bothering you, what should you do? So he said, Ulai, maybe you can leave the sukkah. Okay, but again, I, if it's really, really bothering you on such a level that if it would be in your living room and you go to a different room, I don't see why you would not be put there under the banner of mitzvah. Let's say, for example, it's extremely windy and everything is blowing and there's little pieces flying into your soup and blowing into you. That would also be mitzvah. Um, some communities where the weathers are very warm, like in Florida, I have a friend of mine who lives in Arizona. He told me, I'm not saying I agree with this, but he told me that when he eats in the sukkah, sukkah during the days, he does not make a lashiv because he's misupik of whether or not he's mitzvah and he suffered brachas lahaka. He told me at night in Arizona it's very nice the night, so that he validly makes a leishiv, but he said during the day when he sits in the sukkah, he said it's very hot by him, he's misupik. I, I'm assuming he got a sack from somebody that he doesn't want to make a lashiv because he's misupik that it might be potted because of mitzvah. Again, so the truth is, the Bar talks about extreme cold. The Bar writes, if it's taka very cold, you should put on many layers. Try to make it that you could wear many layers and maybe even bring in a heater. They say, I saw quoted by Rehver Yeltsinna, that the Chavetz Chaim and Rehver Yeltsinna both had some form of a mini oven. I guess today we call that a heater in the sukkah to keep them warm. But again, logic would dictate you should try to do that because you do the same thing in your house. And under the banner of to do. one would assume that that should be the same rule. But again, if it is cold, put on a jacket. If after the jacket you're still shivering and freezing, I would suggest you go inside. I think I told that to my daughter over, over sukkah. She said she was very, very cold, so I said, you should go inside. Again, women are not mukhoyiv anyways, but again, I would say the same thing for a boy. If a boy is sitting in the sukkah, shivering, 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 and he's wearing three layers of, layers of clothing and it's not warming him up, in that case, he should go inside. So the rules of mitzvah are not only about rain, they have to do with all elements and all other factors that could cause, even if there's a foul odor. Let's say, for example, uh, there's a foul odor in your sukkah that would also exempt you. I guess one could even argue, let's say you're having a, you know, the next door neighbor is not Jewish and they're having a barbecue and a party and it's very loud and they're playing rock music and they're barbecuing and it smells. I would also exempt you from a sukkah. But the Ramah does add, in order to be exempted from a sukkah, it has to be that you built a sukkah in a good place. If you built a sukkah next to a beehive and now the bees come out, that's not really mitzvah. So just keep in mind when you're dealing with your sukkah, whether or not you do fit the criteria of a mitzvah. And if you, do are mitzvah, if you really are a legitimate mitzvah, then in that case you would be put there from the mitzvah of sukkah.